Welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where not only do we break down films from the IMDb Top 250 list, but we also do a wide variety of other things, including games and lists and rankings and more games. And what we're doing today is something we basically do just once a year. So it's kind of special. We're doing our Top 10 of 2020 lists. As always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Hendo. Hendo, how you going, my friend? Always good for these types of episodes where we're talking about some fantastic films for the year. Considering how bad 2020 was as a year overall, it's going to be good to talk about some genuinely good films. Some positives. What did we take out of this year? Not a lot, but we've got some stuff here that we're going to be talking positive about. Exactly. But it's not just our top 10 films of 2020 we're going to be talking about. We also are going to talk about our top 10 first-time watches for the year that are non-2020 films, just to see how we went with that. And we got, you know, we got our question of the week. we got our movie draft to get to. So let's get into it, Dean. Let's start off with our t- top 10 first-time watches in 2020. Now, what we did here, we didn't include, obviously, films from 2020 or 2019 as well. Now, Dean, I don't know if you included podcast did you just say, episodes. Did you just say we didn't include movies from 20... 20- oh, are we starting with the uh, the uh, the non... The first-time watches, yes. are we? Oh, okay. Interesting. Yes. Interesting tactic, Hendo. Well, we want to leave the number ones of 2020 right at the end for a big bang. Yeah, right at the end. Let's make them suffer yeah. through this stupid list we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you include any any um, podcast episodes, like main show or patron? Yeah, definitely. They're littered okay, throughout, I... Hendo. <laughs> okay, I didn't. Uh, if that was the case, then definitely easily my number one would have been Doubt for sure. But it is not on my list for this one. All right, Dean, kick it off with you. What's your number 10? My number 10 is The Voices. You remember that one, Hendo? I do remember The Voices. Yes, I do. Good film. It was. All right, my number 10 was Coraline. Okay, I haven't seen it. I have no desire to either. Uh, my number nine, Son of Saul. Oh, yeah, that's right. I got you to watch that. That was good. Nice, nice. My number nine is The Mask of Zorro. <laughs> How have you never watched that till this year? That is crazy. That awesome. Uh, my number eight is This Is England. Okay, yep, not bad at all. My number eight was 310 to Yuma, the Christian Bale, yeah, I, uh, I remember. Russell Crowe one. I really, yeah. really liked that when I first saw it, and I don't think I've ever watched it again. Oh, it's good. It's mm. very good. All right. My number seven, Harakiri. Ah, very good. My number seven is Tim Burton's Edward Scissorhands. Okay, it's good that you're filling up these holes in your uh, movie watching yes. repertoire. Uh, my number six, yep. Owning Mahoney with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay, very good, very good. My number six is Gone Baby Gone. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think I saw the start of it. It seemed kind of boring. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, right. My number five, Captain Phillips, Hendo. Ah, film I still need to see. You really do. Yeah. My number five is a John Woo film. It is The Killer. Okay. All right. Uh, now, yeah. let's get into some Shersha uh, love here. Number four, Atonement. Let's keep that Shersha love going with my number four, Atonement. <laughs> what are the odds of that? <laughs> uh, my number know, right? three, already mentioned, Doubt. Very good. All right. My three uh, are the big three. These are the big the big ratings I gave. My number three is Brian De Palma's Blowout. Okay. Travolta. Yes, that's right. Haven't seen Very it. Very good. Uh, Shersha in Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn. Nice. Love oh, Brooklyn. That's right. You love that film. Love yeah. Brooklyn. Awesome. All right. My number two is a film I've given you to watch. I Saw the Devil. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that one. Yeah, that's right. Of course you did. One day, Hendo. One day. But our number ones, our first time watches. What do you got for us, Dean? In the mood for love, Hendo. Now, of course it was. <laughs> yeah, of course. Took me by surprise. But what a fantastic movie. Yeah. Well, my number one is Cats. No, I'm joking. It's not Cats. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> no, Cats. <laughs> okay. No, no, my number one is a Coen Brothers film. It is Miller's Crossing. Oh, okay. Yeah, solid film. Yeah, solid film indeed. All right. Now, usually on uh, these additional episodes that we do, we talk about what else we've been watching, but we're going to be talking about basically a lot of films that we haven't already spoken about in our top 10. So what we're going to do here is we're going to uh, talk about the films that aren't going to be in our top 10 that we haven't spoken about on the show yet. So we've already recorded these uh, reviews on our Patreon episode. So we'll put them in here for you to check them out now. Let's talk about Host, Dean. Host. Okay. I watched this last night. 
Uh, let's talk about the positives. Goes for like an hour. Yes. Nice. That's, that's great. Yeah. That's a really big positive. Doesn't uh, stay. Doesn't overstay its welcome. I mean, I think the I think the interactions between these group of uh, friends actually did feel a bit true to life for me. It it felt okay. more natural than I expected. Their dialogue. Yeah. Uh, but I can understand the that. Problem is the problem is this film is designed to be a jump scary. You know. Uh, is it horror, thriller, whatever it is? It's, 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 an, it's another you. it's another webcam found footage horror film, and these type of films yeah. just aren't really my jam. But I heard so many people saying this was you know really good, like a really good one. Give it a shot. So yeah, I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like it either. It's it's basically it's just there, like it's just one of those films that's just there. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I yeah, I think I'm I probably rate it slightly higher than you, or maybe we're about the same. It's just I don't. <sighs> It's just I wasn't scared. I wasn't remotely scared no. at any point in the film, and I, I like I can get scared in horror films. Like I'm not someone who just laughs at all horror films. Like I can get invested, and I just wasn't in this, and it just struck a bit of a negative chord, I guess. Well, I think the mood is effective in some of the spots here, and I think the use of the like the zoom functionalities, uh, they're quite well during the very intense scenes. But I just can't get over the fact, and this is probably a nitpick, but I don't care. Every character just feels the need to grab their laptop and take it around with them wherever they go. Like it's like it's legitimately a found footage movie with running shots. Seriously, one of them bursts out of the house, runs down the street while holding her laptop, filming herself. Still, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but but if you were gonna hold your laptop and run out, you would hold the laptop facing you. If if you weren't gonna close it, you would yeah. have the laptop facing you. But all of these turn it around to face you know their yeah. outside surroundings. It's it is odd. I don't. I think the I think the most. Uh, interesting part about this film was the story behind how they actually made this during quarantine and in the lockdown because like uh, i mean are you referring to the final 10 minutes of the film no 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 no. i'm talking about how the actors actually filmed this and like that they actually no one got together for this film they did this actually over zoom and they instructed them how to how to react and act over zoom this whole thing was filmed entirely like that okay i think that was pretty pretty good like it's it's different it's uh it's an interesting way to do it during these times i'm just saying it was interesting not good okay. enough to recommend, but... Definitely you know, not. No. I don't recommend this. Me neither. So, I watched... I started watching the Small Axe series, the five-film anthology series from Steve McQueen. I got to two of the films. I got to the first two. Uh, they were widely regarded as the, I guess, the best of the two. This one here, Lovers Rock. This is... It's okay. There's virtually no plot in this film. It's, it is just basically all tone and mood. The music is really, really good in this film. It conveys exactly what they're trying to portray here. Overall, it's fine. That's all I have to say about fine. it. Fine. I recommend it's fine. It's fine. It's good. It does Interesting. Its, it, it does its part. It's good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Dean, let's talk about Nomadland. Nomadland, eh? Mm. Yeah. My God. Um... This is a tough one because I sort of went in and you'd said to me, oh, it's meant to be one of the best films of the years, etc., etc." Yes. So maybe my expectations were too high. It looked like a boring poster and it turns out the movie is pretty boring. Uh, there are a number of things that do elevate it, mainly Frances McDormand. Like, as always, she's very thorough, but even, even her, like, it's not like there's any big dramatic like meaty scenes for her to chew on mm-hmm. it's just so monotone the whole movie and there's some nice places to look at it's sometimes an interesting story with what's going on and how she's actually going to survive but it felt a bit easy for me as well at the same time okay what well, do you think of it i think this is a perfectly fine film that like you said i think was v- like very overhyped for me i think Going into this thinking, you know, oh, this is, you know, widely regarded as one of the best films of the year. Let's see how we go. I think I, my expectations were way too high in this film. I do think Frances McDormand is a lot better than what you said. I think her restrained performance really shows here. I think she is pretty, pretty good in this film. Cinematography is good. I think the score is probably the biggest highlight of this film. I really enjoyed that. However, it, it does meander a lot and it becomes frustratingly repetitive several times during this film. I do think the positives just outweigh the negatives with this film, though. I'd give it a recommend. Yeah, I'll go three stars as well. Okay, David Byrne's American Utopia. Do you know who David Byrne is? He's the lead singer for... Wow. <laughs> do you know who Talking Heads is? 
Oh, Talking Heads. That's what I said. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've heard of them. Okay. Aren't um, they in the office? Wow. That I had to just briefly think about what that the fuck you you're talking about. took you way too long. <laughs> no, it took you way too long to get that. <laughs> I will actually, I'll just keep the total silence in there just to show how long oh, it took. Good. All 30 seconds of it. Henry. Yeah, I don't, it wasn't that bad. Look, it's basically a musical celebration mixed in with all the Talking Heads songs I can think of. It is there to inspire the audience to connect with each other and to the global community to try and be at peace and just live life and have fun. And I, I am a big fan of Talking Heads, and I know a lot of their songs. And when he's playing the songs in a live setting, it's great. I'm bopping along to the music. It is really good. I just don't get why this is a movie. I just feel like I'm not. I'm missing the point of why this is a thing. It's got great music, but again, I don't understand why this is a movie. And I don't understand why it's so massively revered. Because the only people that watch it are massive Talking Heads fans. But you see, this is, I I think it may be number one or even number two. It's the highest rated film on Letterboxd at the moment for 2020. And there's not that many bloody Talking Heads fans out there smashing at a Letterboxd Letterboxd review. Well, apparently there are, Hendo. Apparently. So I watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Do you actually see Ma Rainey's Bottom in this? Is it worth me watching? Because I don't want to watch this and be left disappointed, okay? You don't see it. It's not about that. Let me just clarify. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a stage adaptation. Uh, tensions rise when the trailblazing mother of the blues and her band gather at a Chicago recording studios in 1927. This takes place in, I guess, the course of an afternoon in a recording studio. I didn't know that was the case. Look, this gets a recommend purely from Chadwick Boseman. His performance in this is outstanding. It is so, so good. I will be shocked if he does not win Best Supporting Actor this year. It is fantastic. It is fantastic. Wow. Everything else in this film is perfectly fine. The character of Ma Rainey, played by Viola Davis, does get extremely annoying sometimes in this film. But other than that... Take that back. Viola Davis is amazing. Other than that, this is a perfectly fine film. Carried on the shoulders of Chadwick Boseman. Do you ever feel like saying voila, Davis, instead of Viola? No, never. Never once before, ever. But I probably will now that you've said it. I think about it every time I think of it. <laughs> I think, just I think about it every there. day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is one. There is a chance I will watch then. All right, Kajillionaire, I also watch this as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the positives. Richard Jenkins, he's great. Okay. Yes, he is. I really like Richard Jenkins. Uh, I also really like Gina Rodriguez, and I don't think I've seen anything else she's in. I never saw Jane the Virgin or anything like that. Okay. Uh, Kira did watch that. I saw brief stints of it. She was in uh, a movie I watched called Miss Bala, I think it was from last year. Um, okay. Yep. Yeah. I saw her in that. She was okay. I think there's another film I yeah. watched from last year she was in. Okay. Well, the main character is played by Evan Rachel Wood. She mm-hmm. plays old Dolio. Great name. <laughs> now, I'm sure that it's a solid performance because she really does lose herself in this role. Can uh, we, it's, should it's, we just explain what this film is about for people who don't know what it yeah, would be it's about? It's about a family of three people who are beyond poor who try and scam their way into money through various small-time cons, basically. Yeah, they essentially recruit Gina Rodriguez to come into the fold and things start to unravel from there. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but as I was saying with Evan Rachel Wood, I just don't like the character. She's definitely hard to character. handle. Yeah, she is. She's hard to relate to, understand, be on her side. I think that's why I like Gina Rodriguez so much because she's a normal person. Yeah, she, she comes in and grounds the movie. actually empathise with. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I agree. I think it is it is quite hard to relate or even care about the majority of these characters for this film. That Some of them are downright annoying. But I think overall, there is enough growth and arc building with all of these characters that I would definitely recommend this. Yeah, I mean, it's original. I yes. like that. There's definitely touching moments in it, which, as you say, do elevate it just uh, above that line for me. Yeah, so I give it three and a half. I give it three. Fair enough. I watched the documentary, of course. I watched a lot of documentaries. It's called Time. Have you heard of Time, Dean? Yeah, I didn't realize it was a documentary. What do you think it was? A movie. Yeah. Silly me. (laughs) It is a very thoughtful documentary about a wife and the multi-decade long struggle in her fight to get her husband released from his 60-year jail sentence for armed robbery. Look, it has a good use of old school home footage to show the passage of time through this film. It has a very lovely score. However, for an 81-minute film, 
there were parts that did feel a bit drawn out in this film. That being said, it is a very touching story. The final act in this film is very, very good, very emotional, very well done documentary. It's a great watch. Three and a half stars. I mean, you should have told me it goes for 80-something minutes. I would have watched it. Why do I have to keep telling you all these things? Just do the research yourself. I watched One Night in Miami, Dean. How was it, Hendo? It was pretty good. Uh, It is an enjoyable stage play adaptation. It's got some pretty solid overall performances from all four leads. In particular, Kingsley Benadir, who plays Malcolm X, and, of course, Leslie Odom Jr., one of your favorites. Of course. Uh, I think the screenplay is very, very sharp with this film. There's some interesting and strong themes to ponder over. This is Regina King's uh, directorial debut, and it is a big green tick for me. She's done very well on her first go here. I watched the 40-year-old version. Ah, is it a parody film of the 40-year-old virgin? No, but the name is. Oh, really? <laughs> Would have been weird if it wasn't. Uh, desperate for a breakthrough as she nears the big 4-0, a struggling New York City playwright, Rada, finds inspiration by reinventing herself as a rapper. It is written, I believe it is written and directed by Rada Blank, and she plays the lead actress here. It is a genuinely laugh-out-loud comedy. It comes with a solid story and a very empowering message. Rada Blank is very, very good in her performance, and while her character is occasionally unlikable, and the movie does feel a bit overlong, this still was a very enjoyable film. So three and a half stars for the 40-year-old version. Very good. Minari. Okay, tell us about Minari, Hendo. Minari is a great look into the power of family and chasing your dreams. The film overall looks very vibrant and luscious, and while performances are all on point with a massive spotlight on Yu Yun Jung, who plays the grandma, I thought she was fantastic. It's just it's just such a delight. This film is just a very feel-good film that I would recommend to anyone out there to watch. Okay. I watched Baby Teeth. Oh, yeah, Baby Teeth. I did actually watch this. Oh, okay. Baby Teeth. Yeah, no, Baby Teeth. It's an Australian film about a girl Mm -hmm. who has cancer. Yep. And she meets a very rough, like, bogan drug dealing, you know, below the poverty line sort of guy. And, uh, you know, their relationship blossoms. Really good, uh, really good turn from Ben Mendelsohn as the father. Ben Mendelsohn is is fantastic. I think Essie Davis is fantastic as well. Last time I saw her in something was The Babadook, so two for two for her. Nice. Yeah, I think this is a very touching Australian drama. It's got some great performances from everyone there. The film handles the topic of life and death really well. We see the effects vary over the different characters and how they basically progress and develop as the film unfolds. Pulls on the heartstrings while not in a manipulative way. So it's really solid film for me. Four stars. Very good. Very good. Love and Monsters, Hendo. Ooh, okay. Didn't see this one. What? I didn't watch Love and Monsters. You didn't watch Love and Monsters? No. You watched 80 movies and you didn't watch Love and Monsters? That's true. What the hell's wrong with you? It's really good. Okay. Tell me about it then. All right. It's about a post-apocalyptic world where basically bugs and everyday small animals have been mutated to be like really, really big. And it's a story of this, you know, young guy who gets separated from his girlfriend and he sets out to journey across... You know, the upper world, because they're all living in, like, sewers, basically, to go and find mm-hmm. his uh, his girlfriend. And it's really touching. The action's really good. The characters are really good. Uh, it's where it goes works. It, you know, opens a door for a sequel. It's, it's a good movie. You should really watch it. Yeah, maybe. You'll like it. Okay. I'll like a lot of films that uh, I haven't seen yet, to be honest. Crazy. All right, mate, let's get to... Answer my question! The question, jerk! where we asked our Facebook listener discussion group and our patrons what their top five films of 2020 was. All right, let's take a look here. Ben from Film Busters says, in order. I don't know which order this is, but I'm just going to go from, let's go bottom to top. Hopefully that's right. Mangrove, Lynn and Lucy, Soul, One Night in Miami, and Relic. Wojciech Witzman says, from five to one, Possessor, St. Maud, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Eastern and Come True. A lot of films I haven't heard of there, Hendo. I did see, I did go and watch the trailers for those top two, and uh, they looked all right. They looked uh, like a sort of uh, thrillers. Hmm. Brother Shane goes from five to one. Borat subsequent movie film The Devil All the Time, The King of Staten Island, Hunter Hunter, and The Invisible Man. What is Hunter Hunter? I don't know. All right. Chris Beardsall says from number five, The Invisible Man, number four, the Sound of Metal, three, Promising Young Woman, two, The Five Bloods, and number one, The Beastie Boys Story. 
Interesting. From David Powell, Possessor, Promising Young Woman, The Kid Detective, Summerland, and Wolfwalkers. Very good. All right. The Rough House Podcast says from five to one, The Trial of the Chicago Seven, The Five Bloods, Onward, Palm Springs, and Promising Young Woman. All right. Our next one here from Heifer, and he has from five to one, Hubie Halloween. What? Not, nah, come on. He does say, I've only seen six films of 2020, so pretty stiff for Eurovision not to make the list. Wow. All right, let's look at some better films here. Number four, The Five Bloods, Borat subsequent movie film. Spencer Confidential as his number two. And number one is Bad Boys for Life. Nice. <laughs> All right, and our last one here from our latest, newest patron, Jamie Russell. Thank you very much, mate, for joining the patron crew. Thanks, mate. From five to one, now I believe he is from the UK because he has some 2019 films here on his list that uh, got released in 2020. He's gone five to one. St. Maud, Possessor, One Night in Miami, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and Parasite. Very nice. I really need to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire. You definitely do, my friend. Is it still in the 250? Yes, it is. Ah, can't watch it then. (laughs) No, you can. Just pick it, mate. Pick it. All right, enough of that, Dean. Let's get into our top 10 films of 2020. Kick it off with you, mate. What do you got at number 10? My number 10 is Minari. Minari. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it stars Stephen Yun, Yuri Han, some other people. It's about a Korean family who basically are starting a farm and they've left their jobs and they're trying to, you know, start start a new and different life. And they have a lot of troubles, but it's, I just love how this film looks like it's, I, I think the cinematography is spot on in this film. I think the performances are great. And yeah, I had a, I had a really good time with it. Fantastic. All right. Uh, I just missed my list. Just missed the cut. But my number 10 is Possessor. Ah, you sicko. (laughs) No, Possessor is a very, very stylish, intense, and highly enthralling sci-fi horror with some spectacular practical body horror that will make you wince. It's got a well-rounded performance from Christopher Abbott, who is fantastic in this movie. The duality between our two main characters and the separate paths they're taking to where they ultimately join, both metaphorically and physically, is really quite fascinating. It is really, really good stuff. And it's very rare for me to have you know, this sort of like horror film so high up on a, on a list like this, but that's how effective it was. Number 10, Possessor. Would it still be this high if Sean Bean wasn't in Nintendo? Be honest. Oh, I mean, he definitely adds a bit of appeal to it. He really does. He's really good in it. And spoiler alert, this will not be my only Sean Bean film in the top 10. Okay. My number nine is a film I watched yesterday, Hendo. Okay. It is the last film I watched before we started recording, and it is mm-hmm. Another Round, directed by Ooh. directed by the Hunt director, Thomas Vinterberg, and starring, honestly, probably half the cast of The Hunt. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, are you gonna are you gonna say thank you to me for telling you to watch this film when you popped around yesterday before we recorded? I did not pop around, Hendo, because that would be breaking uh, lockdown laws. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you drove past as I threw the microphone to you. I go, what? Another round as you drove past. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Uh, Is that why we were late to recording yesterday? <laughs> I mean, yes, it was. I was watching another round. Uh, so another <laughs> round is about uh, four friends, all high school teachers. And they want to test this theory that staying at 0.05 blood alcohol, you know, content is doable. What what are the effects of uh, well, doing that? Yeah, not doable, but that it actually will improve your life. And yeah, yeah. it's it's just a great film with great like character arcs and developments. Mads is. He's just so underseen. We need we need more Mads in our movies. He's so. <laughs> I've been championing this for years. He's just so em- emotive. He's so good, and there's there's some standout scenes in this film. In particular, the like the last couple of minutes just came out of nowhere, and I, I just enjoyed <laughs> I enjoyed this film so much. Uh, which is yeah, is why it made my number nine. Fantastic. All right, on to my number nine, which is one of the earlier films of the year of the year. It is The Invisible Man. He has figured out a way to be invisible. You know exactly what I'm talking about. He's not dead. I just can't see him. Okay. No, I agree with you. 
Adrian was brilliant, but it wasn't because of anything he invented. It was how he got in people's heads. You think about it. He came up with the perfect way to torture you, even in death. Only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is not inventing it, but making you think he did. He's not dead, Tom. Ah, yes. Yes. Uh, what can you say about The Invisible Man? It is a, a, an intense and gripping thriller that uses the, the invisible premise really, really well. It has a sensational performance from Elizabeth Moss, and it has great direction from Lee Wanell. It keeps you on the edge of your toes the whole time. The use, the use of uh, framing and shooting stuff of just nothing, just shooting stuff of nothing, and and how much how tense that makes you, and how driven you are in this film to find out what is going on. It is excellently well done. That's why it's my number nine. Very good. My film is my film. My number eight film <laughs> is Tenet. Tenet. Yeah. All right. So it was hard. It was so hard for me to rank this. I've seen it three times, I think, and like I really like I enjoy it. I don't understand it, but I enjoy it when <laughs> it's on. Uh yeah, I don't I don't know. I think I think visually, obviously it's stunning. I think the action is great. It is it doesn't really do much with the protagonist as far as, you know, character development, but it is yeah, it's a film that should I should have seen in cinemas. And yeah, it's 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 really good, Tenet. I like it. And I know I'm gonna watch it again. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. All right, my number eight is the highest rated documentary I have of the, of the, of the entire filmography that I watched uh, from 2020. And I watched a lot of documentaries. It is Dick Johnson is Dead. Ugh. How can you like this film so much, Endo? It is a very, very touching film that taps into how you would face death and accepting it as a natural part of life. I think Dick Johnson, the man, is just vibrant and has so much personality to him. He brings so much brightness to the screen. For a movie about death, it is very life-affirming. It's such a feel-good film. I loved it so much. It is my number eight film of 2020. You way overrated that. You incredibly underrate it. It is shocking how low you had it on your list. For someone who watched so little movies in 2020... I watched like 50 movies. You had it, that's nothing. <laughs> Two stars. Dick Johnson is dead. That's terrible. It's not a good movie. <laughs> Oh, man, that is horrible. All right. My number seven is Promising Young Woman. I left because of what happened to Nina. Hmm. Nina Fisher. You don't remember her? Maybe you remember Alexander Monroe? Oh, yes, Alexander Monroe. He actually just came back and gave a talk here. Oh, he's a, he's a really nice guy, really smart. Are you a friend of his? No. So you don't remember the accusations made against Al Monroe? I don't. He took a girl, Nina Fisher, the one you don't remember, back to his room where he had sex with her repeatedly and in front of his friends while she was too drunk to have any idea what was going on. She was covered in bruises the next day. Handprints, I guess you could say. Was it reported? Yes. Do you know who Nina spoke to? You. All right. Now, this is... I don't know. This, is, this was a strange film for me because I didn't realise Carrie Mulligan was in it. Had I known she was in it, I would have watched it ages ago because I love Carrie Mulligan. But, yeah, it's about this woman who basically sets out trying to sort of teach guys a lesson for behaving and treating women certain ways. It goes in a lot of different places. I'm not sure I should really go into more of the plot than that. I think as a lead, she gives an amazing performance. As a character, it is someone who's hard to actually empathize with at some points with what she's doing. Uh, But I've, I've really enjoyed it. Like, I've really, really enjoyed it. And there are elements to it that really surprised me. And I felt so invested in certain things. And when, you know, events play out, it, it affected me. So, no, it was, it's a really good film. Number seven for me. Do you feel like you should be uh, keeping an eye on certain films instead of just uh, waiting right to the very end of the year or even to the end of, uh, or to the start of the next year before you start pounding out films? If you'd seen anything, anything, even a slither about Promising Young Woman, you would have known Carrie Mulligan was in it. 
I like to stay spoiler-free, Endo. You would have missed it completely. You would have just breezed through. Like, I don't know that film. I'm going to move on to the next year. It's not true at all. I, I don't think it is very true. You could say that about most okay. of these films. <laughs> all right. My number seven is never, rarely, sometimes, always. I want to spend a few minutes talking with you about your relationships, okay? Because they can affect your health. Did you know that? No? All right. So I'm going to ask you some questions. They can be really personal. And all you have to do is answer either never, rarely, sometimes, or always. It's kind of like multiple choice, but it's not a test. Okay. Okay. In the past year, your partner has refused to wear a condom. Never? Rarely, sometimes, always. Wow. That's high. Wow, indeed. That's that's what I said after this movie was done. Wow. Just wow. You weren't like, uh, you didn't take issue with the pacing? Nope. You enjoy just watching her walk around a city for most of the film? Yeah, because that's the movie. And unlike you, when you said, oh, I thought it was going to be a Juno movie, so I was highly disappointed. Like, who fucking cares? It was. We, why would you think it was a Juno movie? Uh, what did you know about this film? Nothing. So you just, ah, it looks like... It, I saw a poster. She looks like Juno, so it's Juno. Listen, I wasn't down on it because it didn't have the tone of Juno. I wished it had the tone of Juno. (laughs) No, I completely disagree. This is a very up-close and personal look into an unwanted teenage pregnancy and the devastating past and choices that need to be looked at. The acting from Sydney Flanagan, this is her first acting role. It is amazing. The direction from Eliza Hitman puts you right in the thick of it. It doesn't let you out, which is needed for a film like this. You need to be in the thick of it. You mentioned when you were speaking about it earlier on in the Patreon episode of the titular never rarely, sometimes always scene. I think that is just an absolute banger of a scene. A that is banger? such an am- I'm not sure it's yeah, a banger am- of a scene. It's a phenomenal scene. I wouldn't describe it as an a emotionally banger. devastating scene. A banger. A banger is what like a great scene, a great something. Okay, it's a banger. Yeah, it is. Knocked me on my ass. A great film. Number seven. Never rarely, sometimes always. Just don't banger. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I thought so. All right, my number six is my highest rated animated film of 2020. It is Wolf Walkers. Wolf Walkers. Yeah, this is a very good film. And it's funny, when I started watching this, I was actually put off by the animation style, which is very much looks like old school like cartoon drawings you know like yeah. paintings it's like every shot's a painting and it was annoying for me but the more and more i watched it the more and more i actually really really enjoyed the stylistic choices of this film uh it's about what's it about it's about a group of people who are trying to uh obliterate wolves from the forest that is near their town and it focuses on ah Sean Bean voicing <laughs> I was like, what the hell Sean Bean film are you talking about? Sean Bean plays the father of a daughter who becomes very interested in these wolves. And yeah, I really, really like it. The kids loved it. It's a very original and engaging film. All right, my number six. I watched a couple of the Small Axe anthology films directed by Steve McQueen. This was easily the number one for me. It is Mangrove. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch that yet. You definitely should have, Dean. Mangrove tells the true story of the Mangrove Nine who who clashed with London police in 1970. And this is the trial that followed the first judicial acknowledgement of behaviour motivated by racial hatred within the Metropolitan Police. This is an acting tour de force. This is so powerful. Letitia Wright is really good, but the the main star here is Sean Parks, who just puts on a clinic. Every scene he is in is just phenomenal. He he shines above anyone else in this. It is a delight to see him on the screen every time he's there because he is so powerful and so involved in what he's doing. It is amazing. Is that the guy who invented Napster? No, Dean. That's what you got to say? <laughs> yeah, I was just waiting for you to finish. <laughs> Righto. The trial scenes overall, I think, are handled incredibly well. The direction from Steve McQueen and how he shoots different perspectives from the trial to outside of the trial to, to, uh, during the riots, during the raids, it all works very well. It's, uh, I believe it goes for just over two hours. Does not feel like a two-hour film. Very, very, very good film. Number six is Mangrove. All right. Maybe I'll check it out, Hendo. Maybe, maybe, maybe. 
All right, but before we get to our top five, we've still got... DVD Challenge. Let the games begin. Challenge accepted. Where we did our little mini movie draft on 2020 films. Now, this draft, hey, Dean. What, what do you fuck? say about this draft? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand this. Uh, let's, let's, let's tell the story properly, though. So, it was your turn to go first. And what did you yep. pick, Hendo? I picked Minari. Which I thought was the stupidest pick. I was like, half the people haven't seen it. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So, I went in mm-hmm. a different direction. And I picked films that I think people have actually seen and enjoyed. And I went with Palm Springs and Soul. Okay, and I followed it up with Promising Young Woman. Yeah. So, you look at it, it yeah, it's definitely we've gone two different routes here. We definitely have. I nearly picked Tenet. Uh, Which would have been a fine choice. Yeah, would have been fine. But, yeah. well... Uh, you did start... You start. No, you started off strong. Start, you did start off strong. Started off very strong. Uh, Palm Springs was... Don't say, hang on, don't, don't say very strong. I think we were at about 170 votes and I was at 46 to your 54. So, you know, very strong is... Uh, a bit too strong. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. And it had been going for a few days, and it was looking yeah pretty pretty done there. And then something happened. Yeah, and Hendo. Then, uh, yeah. I, I put out the retweet with the pictures, like I do, to um, reboost the poll every single week at the exact same time. And I believe we went from 170 votes to a total of 605 votes in probably less than 12 hours, and a blowout occurred. Promising Young Woman took it down easily with a 41% win, and Minari bounced back with a 23% win to come second, so I take it overall with 64% of the vote. Just crazy. That's how you do it. You must have cheated. You would have no idea the amount of uh, expletive deletes I got from Dean over the next 12 hours after that. (laughs) I didn't know what was going on. It's not right, Hendon. It was crazy. No, it's fine. I take uh, a win there. So it's one to two in this one. So you, you, you're still there, Dean? Like, But I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on. All right, Dean, let's get back into it. Our top five films of 2020. We've got the cream of the crop here, mate. Let's kick it off with your number five. Uh, my number five is The Sound of Metal. Oh, what a good film. So much so that it is also my number five. Oh, nice. Noisy. Search. Throat. Ditch. Fish. Talk. Ring. Brum. Germ. Yeah, it's about a drummer of a heavy metal little duo. Played by Riz Ahmed and these partners Olivia Cook, and they're both amazing in this. They both That's really right. lose themselves in their roles, and I love it. Uh, and yeah, Riz Ahmed finds that he's starting to go deaf, and the way they film this, the use of sound, mm-hmm. the lack of sound in this film is so yeah. different. I love the originality. Seeing this film about you know the disability that is you know deafness. You don't yep. you don't see anything about it, and it, it it really was educational. It was touching. It's got a really like realistic feel to it as well. It really uh, is a really good movie. Really strong. Yeah, I agree completely. I think the performances, especially by Riz Ahmed, are absolutely sensational. And I like that you were talking about. You don't see a lot of films like this. Uh, where you you see a, basically a study in people who are deaf, but this is it really shows the contrast of like say someone who is trying to fix their illness or their deafness, while you got others who embrace it, and it, to them it's not it's not a sickness or it's not a, it's not a disability. It's it's an ability. Yeah, you're right. It is an ability, and these people they they don't have a disability to themselves, and I think that is a fantastic duality there. They, they go through for the people who have embraced it and accepted it, and someone who's just it's just happened to, and he has to go through these, you know, these stages. And his performance is just top notch in this film. And the end, I think the ending was sensational as well. I'm not going to say anything about that, obviously, but I thought that was fantastic as well. Sound of Metal is my number five. Very good. All right, my number four is a film I saw in cinemas, Hendo. It is The Way Back. Look, you're nervous. I get that. The truth is, you got more talent over there than we do. But I got a better coach. But I promise you, they are not a better team. I would take anyone on this bench right now for any one of those players. You worked hard to be here. You earned this. 
Have some fun out there. Now go out there and earn the playoffs. Oh, right. The way back. Yes, we have a... All the way back before COVID. Yep. We have Ben Affleck and we have a sports film. And it's so good. Like, I think... <laughs> like, I was just... I was really, really impressed watching it in the cinema. I was like, Ben Affleck is phenomenal in this. It's a really touching story. I mean, yeah, it covers all the usual tropes and stuff. But I don't know. I'm... It just, they do it so well in this. Obviously, he's got his demons with alcoholism. He's going through, I think he's going through a divorce or separation, whatever's going on there. And you got all the usual dramas with the kids and stuff. But I don't know. I really, really gravitated towards this. And uh, I think I look back at it fondly. Very good. All right, up to my number four. And it is Promising Young Woman. Okay. Yeah, this is a film that holds no punches back and really puts everything out there. It has a fantastic performance from Carrie Mulligan, who carries this whole film, and you have a revolving door of little bit actors doing their part. They all play their part extremely well. I think the themes on display will make you really think about how we live in today's society and how our actions, no matter how big or small, affect everyone around us and the consequences and the repercussions of what we do. For a film with these strong themes and messages, it's filmed really vibrant in a lot of scenes, like very, very colorful. Like I was watching a like a Candy Crush game. Did you pick up on that? That it was like really, really colorful and vibrant, I guess. Did you notice that at all in any of these scenes? Did I notice the colors on the screen? Yeah, I noticed a couple. I saw some nice blues and pinks. It's definitely not what I asked. Yeah, it was vibrant, well colored. Look, I think I'm not 100% sold on the ending right now. It's, it's, I don't think it's sunk in for me yet. I think if anything, it will probably elevate the film with a bit more of a... Like if I go and rewatch this again and really have a, an idea of what the ending really means overall, I feel like this could go up a little bit higher. But overall, this is a fantastic film for 2020. It is my number four. Very good. All right, my number three is yet another film I saw at the cinemas. I wonder if this has uh, affected my enjoyment of some of these films. <laughs> uh, it is The Invisible Man, Hendo. Wow, I thought it was something else. No, it's not something else. It's The Invisible Man. It must Man. be a number two then. <laughs> I can't, it must be a number two then. Uh, yeah, Elizabeth Moss in this movie. Again, I knew nothing about it, so the first scene wasn't spoiled. I really enjoyed the opening. Uh, it went in ways... You know, that was unpredictable for me. She gives an amazing performance. And as you said, the the use of empty space in this film is just so clever. I loved it. Number three. Fantastic. Okay, my number three. The, the bronze, the one that gets on the podium. We are talking about another round. Nice. Yeah, I mean, this is just a perfect combo here. I... I loved The Hunt. Thomas Vinterberg, fantastic director, comes back with my man Mads, the whole cast of The Hunt. What, what could go wrong with this film? The answer, nothing, because this film was great. It is a film that perfectly balances drama with comedic elements, shifting from one to another so fluently you don't even notice sometimes. Mads Mikkelsen is, again, just stellar in his performance. Like This film was so enjoyable the whole time, and it knocked me on my ass in several scenes. The ending is equal parts fun and devastating and sad. It is a perfect blend of a film. What a fantastic film. Number three. Nice. All right. My number two is a film I saw at the cinemas, Hendo. Can I say it? I would have seen, I think I saw it like January 3 yep. at the cinemas. Yep. It is Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. Yep. Number two. <laughs> yep. And thank God. Thank God. Another special movie came out this year, and that didn't have to be my best film of the year. Because <laughs> can, I, can I just say, like, these movies are good. These movies that I've talked about are good, but they are not as good as other, to- you know, other years' top tens here. Oh, I completely agree. I, this, this top ten fails in comparison to at least, yeah, maybe even all three of the top tens we've done uh, for the podcast. Yeah. But The Gentleman, it's a fun film. It's edited well. It's Guy Ritchie. Yeah, you said Hugh Grant was good. He is really good. I like it. It's, yeah, you know, he is. it's an interweaving plot. There's a lot of, you know, double crossing and who's really with who here. And yeah, it's enjoyable cinema. Attable. Fantastic. All right. My top two uh, are the best. They're the pinnacles. Oh, these really? Two really? Your top yeah. two are your best two, you reckon? I see you a haven't different missed level the here. brief here. 
there's a different level here between two and three. All right, these these two films I give four and a half stars. Okay, whereas from three downwards they were four stars. Yeah, I still like Gentleman for me is still four stars. So I I don't have any four and a half star films here. But you have a five star banger, Dean. Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> all right, my number two is Wolfwalkers. Robin. Merlin, he's he's gone. We have to get him back. You could have been eaten alive. What were you thinking? What are you doing out here? I was trying to help you. Help me. I told you, you shouldn't be out here. This is why. Father, they took Merlin. Plus, no. No, you're not going after him. Not in there. But we can't leave him. Look, I promise your mother I'd keep you safe. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about Wolf Walkers. Oh, man, this this was so good. The, the animation never uh, was an issue for me. I thought it was very well handled for the for the type of movie it was, and this and the subject that was it was showing. The voice acting is very very good. Sean Bean was so good. He plays these you know big gruff father figures so well in in any any movie he portrays that he is very very good at it or a TV show for that matter. What are you referring to, Hendo? Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know. Yeah, just checking. Eddard. Yes, exactly. I think the music and the score in this film is delightful. It really sets that emotional tone. It's very uh, child friendly as well, but it has a it has a um, has a dark side to it as well. It's it's uh, not just a fluff piece. It really makes you think as well. My kids watched it as well. My oldest really really loved this film. It's fun. It's it's kind of deep. It's a, an enjoyable film for the whole family. It's. I'll, I'll easily watch this again. This was so good. This film. They're talking about how Souls are going to win the best animated feature. This is a joke. This film should win the best animated feature at the Oscars. It's not gonna, but I really wish it would. It is my number two film of the year, and I'll easily watch it again. Wolf Walkers. Very good. But there was never any doubt, was there, Dean? I mean, I wasn't sure about you. There was never a doubt for me. I wasn't sure about you, though, Hendo. And when I saw that you gave Wolfwalkers four and a half, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) I actually thought you might have done it just to have a different number one to me. But I'm glad you didn't. No, of course, this film has just been on the tip of the mic from the get-go this year, from when you... Gave you a little tiny review way back in the day to when we did a breakdown of it to when you had to get it into every single episode of every single week. I mean... What is it, Dean? Who doesn't know what this is? Alexander Hamilton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. What a movie. I'm still, like today, listening to the soundtrack again and again. The music's phenomenal. It is so clever. And I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i put it out there, yeah. I'll put it out there to, the, the, to the naysayers. This is a movie. Of course it's a movie. And if people disagree with that, yet they think that David Byrne's American Utopia is a movie and this isn't, what is the difference there? That is a like an on-stage musical. It's exactly it's shot exactly the same. These are two movies, and this one slays. It does slay. There is so much right with it. I mean, everything's right with this. This is a film that it's just jumped so high on my all-time film ranking. It's not funny, and it's just I just <laughs> I just want to watch it all the time. Like it's there's so many characters, there's so many layers to it. The singing's amazing. The choreography on stage is amazing the actual stage setup with the wheels you know the floor moving in different ways is great costumes amazing i like the way it's filmed you know i've got no issues with that it's all good it's just such a good and it's you know it's about the fucking american revolution like how boring yeah that doesn't appeal to that that doesn't appeal to us at all nah but it's just, it's addictive. I watch bloody TikToks on YouTube about this crap. And I love it. I can't help myself. It's not just the music, though, man. It is the performances as well. Leslie Odom Jr. is oh. so good in this film. David Diggs is fantastic. 
the use the, the use of the stage is what really gets me here. Like this could just be a simple, you know, musical on stage where they walk around that. No, the, the use of the spirals and the, and the wheels on the ground and how that gives it much more emotion and depth as well. The use of the lighting as well, the characters and the props, everything just culminates into this well-oiled, perfect like musical movie that I watched. You know, you know, I watched it after you gave it the first review. And then I watched it for the breakdown, and then I watched it again. Yeah. All right. That's that shows the level of rewatchability and like awesomeness with this film. I don't think I've ever. So Dean, you very rarely log letterbox films, you know, the right way. You know, Dean really loves this movie. When you go on his letterbox page, and his recent activity is Hamilton, 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 Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, it's just so good. I had to keep rewatching it. I think I've watched it ten times this year. Jesus, it's insane. Man. And it's not like it goes for an hour and a half. It's a three-hour movie. Oh yeah, but it's so good. And yeah, you, know, you you put it if you were to like total up the amount of times you watched it and the amount of times you'd listen through to the soundtrack, yeah. it'd be off the charts. Yeah, it would be. And the kids love it. They love watching it. They love singing along with it. It is just a joyous film overall. Easily, this is, this is the first year we've done this. This is a, like this is our, both our number one films. We haven't had that before, at least during the podcast time. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a special moment. It is Hamilton. Best film of 2020. Without doubt. And that is going to do it for this episode. We are moving on to 2021, Dean. Thank God, Hendo. Well, I mean, it's still feeling like 2020 at the moment. Yeah, we're no. in lockdown. Are, are, do you reckon we're going to get... <laughs> okay, are we going to see uh, No Time to Die this year? Oh, don't put me on the spot like that. Uh, let's be optimistic and say yes. Who knows? I mean, we got Tenet in 2020, so... Yeah, well, that's Nolan doing his thing, and I don't think yeah. that worked for them, to be honest. I think... They- they got to release these films eventually, did, otherwise... They'd, did th- Mulan work for them? Was that a success for Disney? That was... Oh, I, I don't know. It must have been. Cause they, they probably wouldn't have made as much money if COVID wasn't around, but I think they got the most money they could out of it. Because there's, like, there's some uh, you know MCU films that need to start happening. They have schedules here. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens this year, Dean. Now, next week is episode 150. Now, we have a tradition where every 50th episode we do a pod v pod v pod v pod. But in these uncertain times, we just can't have this happen at the moment. It's just it's going to be too tough. We don't, we don't know the state of where we're going to be coming up next week. It's that jumbled and all over the place that we can't predict that. So we're going a different route here for episode 150. We're good. We are doing pod v pod, but we're going to set a precedent here that it's going to be Dan versus Dean once again. Yeah, it's been a while. It has. And looking at a couple of changes heading up here, we're going to have a Pod V Pod every five episodes from now on. So episode 155, 160 and all that will be Pod V Pods. In saying that, when we talk about what else we've been watching on a Pod V Pod, not talking about other films for five straight weeks, probably going to blow out a lot of movies. So we're just going to go back to talking about the films we've watched week by week. So you might get one or two at the end of the episode. Or zero. But at least... And there's nothing wrong with that. Mostly zero. Mostly zero from Dean. (laughs) But at least they're up to date, and at least we have a good idea of what we're talking about and not waiting five weeks before we talk about a film. Exactly. Okay, that is going to do it. Thank you very much, everyone, for checking out this episode, and we will see you next week for Pod v Pod. I believe it's 46. Could be 47. I don't know. Bye. Bye.